Hello and welcome to another episode of Power Drifting, the Rally Game Podcast. My name is Tom, and that there, that is Mike. Hello, Tom. Hello, Tom. Hello, Rally fans around the world. <laughs> Mike, I believe your Klingon sword has arrived. How is it? My Klingon Mechlef has indeed arrived, yes. Um, I am ready now for to fight and die with honour uh, for my house and for... Uh, for <laughs> That's great, but wh- why do you have to bring it into the virtual cockpit with you? I'm a, I'm a little worried. Look, Tom, all I'm saying, all I'm saying, right? If we have to, if we get stuck somewhere in the middle of the rally, yeah, and there's bears out there, there's bears, there's wolves, there's you know, sort of madmen running around. I've now got a mech left. I can hold off any attacks against us whilst the the emergency crew come and find us. Yeah, nice uh, forward thinking there, Mike. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> this time we are taking a look at Killerton's 2018 resurrection of the long dormant V-Rally franchise. Does V-Rally 4 hit top gear or should it have been left collecting rust in the digital breakers yard of Forgotten Legends? Mike, there's only one way to find out. Hit it. Well, that was quite dramatic, wasn't it? Uh, yes, V-Rally 4 was developed by Killerton and published by Big Ben Interactive and released on the PS4, Xbox One and PC in September 2018 and made an appearance on the Nintendo Switch in December 2018 Sorry, in Europe and uh, February 2019 in North America. Uh, and as the name suggests, it's the, uh, the fourth instalment of the V-Rally franchise. Now, Mike, we, we've already spoken a little bit about V-Rally. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was in episode three, or SS3, yep. when we covered V-Rally 2. Um, so we won't dwell too long on the uh, on the series kind of lineage. But I think it's worth just kind of going back over the series a little bit, just to fill in the uh, the history lesson on V-Rally. I'm sure I've asked you this before, but did, did you first play it on the PC, or was it the PlayStation? It wasn't PlayStation. Um, I think the first time I played V-Rally was probably... Oh, but I probably the Xbox version actually. Oh, really? What V Valley Three? Valley Three, yeah, I think so. I think um, okay. I can't. I don't remember playing V Valley on the PC. I don't. I don't. Doesn't ring a bell. I think it was one of those games that I sort of I, I coveted as a as a, a non console gamer in the late nineties. Mm. Uh, I never really, never really um, experienced it until V Valley Three on the Xbox, which was. Uh, well, a subject of a later podcast, so I won't go too much detail about that one. Yeah, I'm sure we'll cover that in in more detail in the future. But um, yeah, I was I had a Sega Saturn when V Valley came out, so I only had access to Sega Rally, which obviously is a is a better game. But yep. um, you know, I did look uh, look longingly over at PlayStation with all its uh, Rally, I say simulation, but more kind of realistic takes on Rally. Yes. Um, and V Valley obviously was one of those. So yeah, V Valley uh, came out in 1997 for the PlayStation originally. Uh, it was then followed by V Valley 99 in 98. I also played that on the uh, N64. Uh, then V Valley 2 in 99, probably the most famous version of that is the Dreamcast version. Then you've got V Valley 3, as Mike uh, alluded to, in 2002. 
And then there's a gap of 16 years while uh, V-Rally, the franchise, has kind of languished in uh, in obscurity before it was picked up uh, by Kiloton and dusted off and then put back out onto the, uh, onto the I was going to say current gen systems then, I suppose, but the uh, the last gen Gosh. systems now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, the previous games were developed by Eden Studios and in-house Infograms. And uh, Killerton, uh, obviously currently the developers of WRC series, um, starting in 2015 with WRC 5. And WRC, uh, sorry, Free Rally 4 is kind of odd in that it's kind of sandwiched between... It's, it's almost like the, the filling between t- uh, two slices of bread made of two WRC games each. Is that a, is that a good enough analogy? It's a WRC sandwich, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no, it wouldn't be WRC, it would be v sandwich, wouldn't it? Oh, we've, we've, we've got our sandwich now, just completely wrong here, haven't we? That's, that's, that's well, just why we're a Valley podcast and not a sandwich podcast. Well, how does a Jill sandwich work then? I don't know. Because surely you need two Jills and a Barry Burton in the middle, if that's how we're doing things. This this has gone weird now, hasn't it? Yeah, that's a bit. Yeah, let's get back on track. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so in 2016 uh, and 2017, you had uh, WRC six and seven respectively. Then in 2018 was V Valley four, and then following that in 2019 and 2020, we had uh, WRC eight and nine. Now, uh, V Valley four doesn't have an official WRC license, but it does feel like. This game was Killerton simply taking what they'd already learned with the WRC game engine, basically having some fun with it. This is telling because it has a slightly more simplistic arcade gameplay, fictional courses. It does have more vehicle types and more race types than the uh, the average WRC title, and, and generally just a kind of a more fun atmosphere around it. Don't would you agree with that, Mike? Do you think? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely gone more for the. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before. More of the sort of dirt two route, hasn't it? The sort of uh, spectacle over simulation. Yes, definitely, definitely, and and we will talk about the um, the environments more in a second. But there does seem to be more kind of you know they've broken free of the con- constraints of the the official WRC license. So you know we are going to just chuck in some random locations that wouldn't normally be featured in a WRC season because um, you know what the hell we're just gonna have some fun with this now, uh, and that's very that's very apparent if you if you compare WRC seven uh, six and seven. To V Valley Four, you can see that there's a lot of elements that have been reused, so like the crowd models, you know, for the people. So I think some of the textures as well, you know, from the tracks. So there's very much a crossover here from the WRC games. But um, we'll get to that. Uh, first of all, let's talk about gameplay modes that you get in V Rally. Um, the main game mode is called V Rally mode, and um, this is worth. It doesn't get off on the right foot for me because it's quite an odd setup. Um, it's basically a career mode with some light team management elements. But it's actually really confusing. Yeah. So essentially, you're presented with like a world map, and events show up on the map, and you need to weigh up the costs of entering an event uh, with a prize amount, and you can earn cash uh, to pay your team members. And your team is made up of research crew, mechanic crew, and, and an agent, basically, who all have different abilities. So the research crew allows you to uh, research into parts for your vehicle and and that kind of thing. The mechanic crew, as you would imagine, is all about fixing and repairing your vehicle. And then the agent is used to gain you entry into events that have got a higher sort of winning purse, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that all sounds pretty straightforward in in theory, but the way it's executed yeah. is just mega confusing. Because yeah. for a start, I think the first thing that's the problem here with this career mode is that there's no sort of sense of progression. You don't really know what you're meant to do next, and there's no kind of... I suppose in WRC, you kind of have these like... Um, 
positions of like where you are in the world leaderboard. Whereas in V Rally, it's just so kind of I don't know how else to describe it, but arbitrary. I don't know. Yeah, it's very loose, isn't it? That the career mode is is one of the the. the so I, I bought the game on release day, um, and I was immediately put off by the career mode. There's, there's some games have that where you have one mode, which especially the main mode, if it's not designed right and it's not accessible in the way that you know games should be then it's it, it turns you off the game and with this one it's just it's you don't you can't plan ahead there's no sort of sense of i like to be immersed in the world and in this one you, you don't feel like you're immersed in the world it always feels like you're you're part of a video game mm. if that makes sense yeah um and it doesn't really have there's no real there's no sense to it you know there's it's not a progression ladder like on on the dirt games for instance it's not that lovely world map of dirt 2 um it's it's not laid out easily it's not a wrc series so therefore it's not sort of a series of events which you you know go on a calendar and do it's just very much sort of like it, it feels a little bit like um this is another dreamcast reference which is going to be pleasing for people who know us from dreamcast podcasts um it's very similar to the virtual tennis world tour mode oh yeah 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 i see what you said yeah totally in yeah. that you don't have access to a huge amount until you start going further and further Mm. And it it seems sometimes like a little bit arbitrary what events you have. Um, Virtual tennis is a far superior world map mode, but it's a very similar sort of thing where you get certain things that's unlocked. Um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a good mode at all. It was panned, I think, by by critics at the time, and it was poor. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that stuck out for me when I actually re- originally read the reviews of, of this game and and the the amount of kind of lambasting the uh, the career mode got. And I, I thought to myself, it can't, how can it possibly be that bad? But in in uh, in action, it is extremely confusing and and hard to navigate. Yeah, I think actually, even even if I remember rightly, when you actually messaged me at the time and said, "How is it?" I think I said to you, "It's it's good, but." The, but the map, the career mode is, is awful mm. um, because it was just a, a real disappointment, which is well, a massive shame. Not not great first impression. Yeah. So as, as we've kind of alluded to, there's, there's this career mode. You've got all these different types of race, uh, which spans the whole kind of gamut. You've got rally, rally cross, buggy racing, hill climbing and extreme carna, which is basically gym carna. Uh, but there's no real objectives to, to any of this. It's just kind of here you go. Here's some events. You know, you, you can win some money, you can upgrade your car and then, you know, just carry on doing it almost uh, infinitely with no actual aim to it. And in some ways, um, it reminds me, it's not as bad, but it, this is kind of the feeling I got from uh, Forza Horizon, you know, the, the latest one, Forza Horizon sure. 4, yeah. um, because there's so much to do and you just yeah. don't know where you're meant to go next and what, there's no kind of big graph saying, oh, you've done this amount of things and this is what you need to do next. You just yeah. kind of get lost in this like bewildering, almost like someone's just throwing events at you and yeah. the one that comes first, you're like, oh, I'll just do that one. I'll do that one. I, I don't yeah. know. It's, you know. It's, a, it's the, the open world, you know, the open world problem, isn't it, with games of, of, of the last couple of generations where, you know, it's great. I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, for instance, and it's an absolutely superb game, one of my favorite games of all time. But there's a point where it, it just throws so much at you um, you know, when, when you have to load the map and the map takes quite a while to load because it's got so much things on the map to actually do. And I think sometimes less is better. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we go back again, Sega Rally. You know what I mean? Sega Rally had, had four tracks, um, what, three cars. It's, it's you know, you don't need to throw things out. I think with Rally 4, they tried to be really sort of clever. They tried to be really sort of interesting what they were doing. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's odd. Uh, apart from the the V Rally career mode, you, you do have the option to basically jump into the quick game menu, and from here you can actually just choose whether you want to do a rally, a rally cross, a buggy race, or hill climb, or the extreme carna. Um, so you don't have to suffer through the V Rally 
mode oddness if you don't want to, which is nice. There is also a multiplayer mode, but when I tried it yesterday, uh, there was nobody online. Uh, no, there were no games available when I tried it. Um, so the the online component to V-Valley 4 it looks like it may have sort of gone the way of the dodo. Yep. That said, the online competitions are still updated. So you can, so very much like in the WRC games, there are new challenges every week. And uh, you can enter them and you can win uh, currency. Uh, so at the end of every week, there's a payout for the amount of different online events you've uh, you've entered. So that's quite nice. That gives you some extra kind of um, reason to play uh, in this current day. Right five into left four short. And right five fifty. Left six over crest fifty. Left four. And left three thirty. Okay, so moving away from game modes then, uh, let's have a look at the, the vehicles. There are 51 vehicles from 19 manufacturers, and I won't go through them all because we'll be here all day, but uh, many of the most rec recognisable and iconic vehicles are featured. So you've got things like the Mini Cooper, the Renault Maxi Megane, uh, Mitsubishi Lancer, Skoda Fabia, Renault R5 Turbo, Lancia Stratos and Delta. Weirdly though, I did notice that there's no Subaru Impreza and there's no Toyota Celica WRC. Mm. Maybe that's something to do with licensing, I don't know, but or obviously is. Um, but quite odd that the uh, some of the most iconic rally cars of all time are not in this game when a lot yeah. of other cars are. Yeah. It's also interesting to note that um, the, the vehicles on offer, the range differs depending on which type of race you're doing. So in the rally mode, you get you know traditional rally vehicles. In hill climb, you get these kind of really souped up uh, hill climb cars with these massive aero foils and spoilers on them in the buggy racing you get as the name suggests you get buggies i find that the buggies are actually a lot of fun and going back to another game we've just referenced a couple of minutes ago uh, dirt five there's a lot here that is very reminiscent of dirt five for me especially in the in the buggy racing on top of the uh, the standard 51 vehicles uh, you do get some dlc as well you can download these uh, individually and this is a problem with this game because there is a lot of dlc for it and um, not so much in terms of uh, extra content but very much in terms of, of vehicles and a lot of them are offered as single downloads for you know quite exorbitant prices <laughs> so you've got things like yeah. the Citroen DS3 RX the Chevrolet Camaro the Ford GT 2006 Volkswagen IDR and there's also a thing called the super pack supercharge pack which is a uh, basically just a bunch of liveries but you're talking you're talking up, up to like a fiver each five pounds each for these vehicles mm -hmm. and it's like hang on a minute what <laughs> For one vehicle, yeah. that's, I don't know, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a, another vehicle sort of downloadable content package with such high prices. No, it's, it's I suppose, there are going to be some publishers who want to try and make some some uh, relatively quick money with, with big name brands, cars or, or, or things like that. It's, it's I suppose it's uh, one of the problems of the current gen of, of, uh, of gaming, um, just to sound old as we are. 39 me in a couple of weeks, mate. I'm not going to say my age. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've discussed the, uh, the gameplay modes and the vehicles on offer in V-Valley 4, but what about the environment? Well, this is where V-Valley 4 kind of shines for me. There is a lot of... Uh, a lot of variation in the in the locations that you can race in, and again, because of the different gameplay modes, there's uh, quite the uh, quite the number of different courses that you can race on. So environments are they're from all over the world, and uh, some are in locations that are not usually found in rally titles. So that's quite refreshing. And again, that harks back, I think, to the um, the lack of an official WRC license uh, with the the rally section of the of the game. You get uh, Sequoia National Park and Monument Valley in the USA. You get Kenya, Malaysia. Japan and Siberia, no Finland. 
Uh, in Rallycross, you get Japan, China, Romania, England, and the USA. Hill Climb, USA, Romania, and China. Buggy, you get USA, Bolivia, Kenya, and Siberia. And then for the Extreme Kana, you get Detroit and Nellis Air Force Base in the USA. Niger, and um, or Niger, I don't know how you pronounce that properly, mm-hmm. yeah. and South Africa, which I thought was quite cool that they yeah. included some different uh, locations that you don't usually see. I don't think I've ever seen a racing game set in Bolivia before. Have you? Unless... Does the, the, car, Paris, the I was going to say yeah yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> I'm wrong yeah there's, there's some interesting there's some certainly interesting places I think um, you know I suppose they've they've got some similar similar settings to other rally stages obviously you know things like Malaysia obviously is, is similar to the Indonesian rallies we've had before and things like that mm. but mm. Um, yeah it's definitely it, it feels it's a, there's a fresh feel isn't there to the to the course selections I think it feels a little bit more uh, global a little bit more. A bit more worldly. You do get bored, bored a little bit after um, after playing the you know the Sardinian Rally for the four thousandth time in your life, um, or you know the the, the Finnish. I, mean, I never get bored of the Finnish Rally. That's a lie. Um, you know, drive, <laughs> drive, driving through Wales in a in a uh, in a slow car in, in Rally games is is great fun, but it, it can get a little bit samey after a while. Let's say. I mean, I've driven through Wales in a slow car in real life many times, so it's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Not something you want to do every time you play a rally game, is it? Um, one thing that's worth mentioning as well here is that there is an open world training area that's set in Canada, uh, which allows you to drive around an airport and venture out into the, into the mountains, through forests and onto a beach. Um, and it does give you a taste of all the different environment types, and it's quite a large open area to drive around. And it's quite fun to explore, even though there's not really anything to actually find or do. I just think it's a really cool training, easy yeah, win yeah, mode. Cool. That was yeah. quite interesting. When I first saw that, I was quite quite impressed with that. It would have been nice if they'd included, like you know, like some kind of like floating coins or something you had to find. Sure. You know, like yeah. in um, what was it? Uh, San Francisco Rush was it? Where you had to find what was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, San Francisco Rush. We had to find the floating cans of Mountain Dew. It was in one of the most uh, bizarre uh, sponsorship deals I think I've ever seen. But uh, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> I think it's quite it's quite cool. I think because um, Scotty Kilton also did the Isle of Man TT race series, didn't they? Well, two yeah. race, two games. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and that's very similar in 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 certain aspects in terms of the fact that they've they really have a lot of really cool ideas. There's they've got a lot of really cool ideas, and they they throw a lot of it at the game. And I think sometimes maybe a little bit more focus would be better. You know, sometimes as as we've already said, the career modes lack of focus is one of the big issues. But um, yeah, open world elements. Um, I there was a, there was a point in in uh, my gaming history where the thought of open world racing games was just fantastic. I remember Burnout Paradise being sort of mm. a real next generation sort of thing for me. And um, I think now it's I appreciate games having them in them, but sometimes they're a little bit. I mean, this this one for instance, as you said, it's it's if there was a bit more to it. It'd be a lot better. It feels a little bit like they've gone, oh, can we see if we can do a, a Forza Horizon type game and then not actually put any content in it, which is... Yeah, I know that the WRC games have that kind of training area where you can just sort of drive around yeah. and experience all the different types of uh, surface. Sorry, but yeah. this this one just seems a little bit more interesting because it just, it's just so, like, fantasy-based, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just not... It's not. I know the WRC uh, training area is not a real place, but it seems more set in reality as opposed to this place where suddenly you're racing through this like snowy wilderness and then suddenly then you're into a forest and then then you back down onto a beach. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's very quick trans uh, transitions between 
the different environment types, which I, I quite like. It's also worth mentioning as well that in the rally mode, you do get the opportunity to create uh, randomly generated courses. And I don't mm. think they're actually fully randomly generated, as in uh, Dirt 4's randomly generated courses. I think basically what they're doing is they've, because all of the all the, all the courses are made of separate sections, what the random generator does is it just joins the sections together in different ways. So you'll still see the same places, but you'll end up taking like maybe a right turn instead of a left turn when it's randomly yeah. generated. So I think that's cool. And it's a nice addition. It doesn't make up for the lack of a full-on track generator that you can where you can make your own courses like V-Rally 2 had. Yep. But, you know, it's okay. It works. It works well. And uh, when it comes to like things like weather and time of day, uh, there are generally three per course. you got like a morning, a midday, and an evening setting. But the weather is fixed to each sort of time of day, so you can't change them, you know, on the fly like you can in a lot of other games. But, you know, I can, I can forgive that. Yeah. And right three short, don't cut. Into left four short and right two. Right then, let's talk a little bit about the vehicle handling. Obviously, this is where a lot of rally games are made or broken. As I mentioned in the earlier part of this podcast, V-Rally 4 is very much in the arcade wheelhouse. Very easy to pick up and play. And it's a lot more forgiving than previous entries in the V-Rally series. And it's a lot more forgiving than, than WRC, which is obviously from the same developer. Um, the vehicles do feel like they have some satisfying weight to them, although some of the faster vehicles do become quite difficult to control, especially at uh, high speed. Uh, I'm specifically talking about the super twitchy hill climb vehicles here. Mm-hmm. That said, I think the extreme carnar mode is actually a lot of fun just due to the drift-heavy handling model. And I, I, I don't generally like sort of Gymkhana modes in games. No. But here, I'm prepared to make an exception because I think it's a lot of fun. And it's possibly my favourite Gymkhana mode out of any rally game that I've played recently. That includes Dirt 5. Yeah, I got to agree with that, actually. I think it's, I think of all the, all the things I think about this game, I think the Gymkhana mode, or the Gymkhana mode, is actually quite well done. It's, it feels like quite a good, fun uh, diversion, I suppose, from the more more uh, serious side of, of rallying. So, yes, yeah, it does play well. And it feels good as well. Even at the time of, of launch, it felt... Felt quite good. Other elements may not have been quite so strong, but the, this this mode does did seem to to uh, handle pretty well. Yeah, and and what I do like about V Rally Four is that each of the different game play modes that you play it. So you know you've got your rally, you've got the um, rally cross, and then you've got the the buggy racing. They each mm-hmm. seem to have their own kind of unique handling style. Yeah. Um, so the cars don't handle the same in rally mode as they do in the rally cross. In Rallycross, it's very sort of twitchy and um, you're always on the edge of your seat and it's extremely fast and you've got these narrow, windy courses. The the buggy mode, I have to give a special mention to because it's so much fun. Again, I said it earlier on, it does generally feel like you are playing Dirt 5. It's yep. just so cool. Um, I mean, some of the courts, some of the buggies are a little bit light and a bit floaty, but once you, once you nail it and you, you get those kind of slides around the corners nailed down and uh, just know how to anticipate the bends and that kind of thing, just the jumping around and the bashing into each other with the you know the other cars, it's just so much fun. It's really cool. Um, as you can probably tell, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of of this game. Um, not so much obviously the the career mode, but the gameplay modes. Are, you know, the great fun and this game it handles well. It handles well. What can I say? I know a lot of the um, criticism that was levelled at V Rally Four by the kind of inverted commas mainstream press was because it was a bit diluted and a bit a bit arcadey and not really knowing whether it wanted to be a simulation or an arcade game. But I mm-hmm. I quite like that. I like it. I like the fact that it's a bit of a diversion away from the super serious, like pole faced WRC games. You know what I mean? 
Sure. Yeah. I think there's a lot of it is down to the fact that when the game came out, there was a few issues, um, which obviously have been corrected over time. I think, you know, there's the, the benefit of hindsight is that they fixed some of the problems they had with the game, um, which is in itself quite good. A lot of developers don't fix problems with games. I'm not going to mention any names, but the card has come to mind. <laughs> um, they, you know, they do, they have fixed some of the issues. And I think the game is, I haven't played it for a while, um, but it's, 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 has improved from what it originally was like. Um, I remember lots of, of issues, a lot of lockups and a lot of crashes at the beginning, um, which was, I mean, crashes in the console crashing, not as in me going into a tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think it's it's um, it's an enjoyable game. It's, it, what it does well, it does really well, um, and it does you know it's it's a worthy alternative to the big name uh, to the other big name rally series. But it's there are elements where I just feel like it's. I feel a little bit like the game is it's following a script of what to do um and it's it's um it knows it wants to throw everything at the at the, the board every it try it's trying to get everything in in one go mm. um you know it's got or we're gonna have this mode we're gonna have this mode it's this rally game's got this on it you know we have we have an extreme kind of mode we have to have a buggy mode and, and that's wonderful but i think that it just doesn't quite for me gel together as well as it would do if they were more focused on one area i know what you mean it's i mean this is the first uh, v-rally game that has all these other modes yeah the other games are, are straight rally titles yeah well they do have kind of you know the arcade modes where you can race against other vehicles and whatnot but it's the first one to have you know like an off-road buggy mode um so yeah and i thought you were going to say that it feels a bit budget then but then if you look at how much this game actually still costs on digital stores, as we discovered sure. earlier on, um, yeah. it's, it's still at a premium, shall we say. Even on Steam, it's still like 40-odd quid. Yeah. Eh, it's a two, three-year-old game. Yeah, I think Big Ben are, um, are, are sort of semi-notorious for never actually reducing the price of their games, aren't they? Um, a lot of the sort of, uh, I'm going to call it B-tier racing titles, have this problem. I've noticed it with a lot of the... Uh, the games from um, the Milestone as well, hmm. very similar thing where you'll you know, five years later and, and one of the Supercross games is still forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think you know I've I've had a look myself uh, to see how much you can get the, the game for. I mean, online on on popular auction sites, it's particularly cheap. And I think um, places like CD Keys and stuff, you can get it for sort of ten pounds. So I think that's the the real value of the game. It's not a particularly expensive game to get hold of, but yeah, digital. Don't I would uh, advise anyone who's got an Xbox Series S, for instance, to possibly skip the game just because it's probably not worth. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think you possibly th- uh, think it possibly is cost uh, worth close to the price they're asking for. Personally, I think um, it's a slightly high price for it. Well, I was going to say I, di- I didn't pay full price. I think I got it in a sale um, a couple of years ago when it was. You know, it was fairly new, yeah. Because um, I got given a um, a voucher, you know, a PlayStation Store voucher for Christmas, yeah. And this was on sale, so I, I got it then, and I've had it you know ever since. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be paying forty seven ninety nine, and certainly not the seventy five ninety nine for the, you know, the deluxe edition with all the no. DLC. No way. Okay, Mike, let's talk a little bit about the actual uh, visuals and presentation and the audio of this game. Um, so we're going to split this into two, really. Uh, there's, there's the, on the one side of it, you've got the, uh, the the consoles, inverted comma, and PC. And then on the other side, you've got the Switch version. Now, uh, I've only played this on the PlayStation 4, on the PS4 Pro. 
And so that's what I'm going to base this uh, this little summary on. I find the presentations to be quite attractive. Uh, the FMV backgrounds in all of the different menu screens I think are really cool with the uh, freed frames of the vehicle spinning around and you know the nice red and black colour theme throughout. Uh, I think the uh, the car models are good. Uh, the in-game visuals are great. Uh, we've got a really long draw distance, especially on the more open courses, such as the Monument Valley courses. I think the texture work on some of the course layouts is fantastic especially on the um, uh, rally cross courses the the, yep. the gravel and the tarmac just looks so good um, it, it looks better than it has any right to and it's, a, it's it's actually quite surprising really when you think about it it generally looks quite good uh, on consoles and pcs uh, it, it's not as detailed as later wrc games uh, but it is free from stuff like screen tearing certainly on the ps4 pro it is and frame rate stutters um, it never really dips uh, below its frame rate i think it's 60 frames a second on the ps4 pro um, it, even in rallycross mode where there's tons of stuff going on loads of cars racing around and like lens flares and sun glinting off the um, other cars and off the tarmac it, it never it never dips really it, it's solid frankly and again, there is a nice variety in the environments uh, with the colour temperatures being used to good effect to give like a general feeling of the climate. So the Siberia courses have like, like overbearing blueness to them to like make it feel really cold. Whereas the uh, the Japanese courses are, have this kind of nice, brightly coloured, like, warm colour temperature with a, these brightly coloured fields of flowers. You know, it feels totally different. The, the way the colour palette is used to give a different feeling of climate or temperature is um is really well done to be honest so uh, i have to give them credit for that the developers um it does st suffer a little bit from like a little bit of a level of detail popping especially in like heavily populated forest areas uh, on some courses so you'll get these uh these trees in the background that look just like blobs and as you get close to them they kind of pop into uh full detail mode and i think if I'm not mistaken even wrc9 does that even on the xbox series x with the new performance update so that must just be something that that engine does I don't know. I'm not a developer, so I can't really give much uh, more detail on that. But it's it's very apparent in this game, um, even though generally it does look quite nice. On the flip side of that, we have the uh, the Nintendo Switch version. Yes. And um, I haven't played it, but I've, I've watched videos of it. And I don't own a Switch anymore, but when I did own one, I was very interested in buying this game. But then I didn't buy it for the, for, for the reasons that we're going to go into. Um, so, Mike, you've played it. So what was your experience with the Switch version? Yeah, so I uh, played the Switch version quite a bit after playing the, the Xbox One version originally. And I the biggest thing for me is that I was, I was used to the game having a downgrade. I didn't have an issue with the game having a downgrade. I've played and loved Witcher 3 on Switch. I think it's one of the greatest technical achievements of the generation. Mm. Um, so I have no problem with, with games being downgraded to fit into the Switch. Uh, the problem with Rivali 4 is that it's, it's, a, it's a racing game. And you, the the one thing you want to do in racing games is to have a solid frame rate, um, and to have fair AI. Um, and unfortunately, on both those accounts, this game does fail quite badly. Um, so the the AI issue is an issue which actually the original Xbox and PS4 versions had as well. I don't know whether that's been fixed since. Um, last time I played it, it hadn't, as far as I'm aware, been fixed, but I don't think I even took notice to, to answer you. It's not too bad. I know what you mean, that you do get the things with the AI sort of bouncing around, smashing off the walls, and then also like acting like you are not, you don't exist, so like just sort of ploughing into you constantly. Yeah, so definitely there's, there's wooden AI in that regard, but also in terms of some of the rally stages, some of the times 
Um, and I've spoken about this before, I think also from Killaton games in the past, where there's some stages where you'll get a random stage where the time that is set and the other the other opponents are racing, it just seems impossible to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a problem with this game. I remember that distinctly. It'd been a real issue when the game first came out. And the Switch version was was worse. It, it seemed to be a lot worse than that. But even worse than that was the fact that the frame rate, when it ran well, it was it was decent. When it ran badly, it was just distracting to the point of of making the game. I'd say practically impossible to play. It's it's possibly not quite as bad as that, but it, it was very very difficult to play. Um, I'm not one for knowing what frame rates um, are just from seeing the screen. I know some people are, but I would I would I would envisage possibly going down to as low as. 12 13 frames a second at times really which isn't actually that surprising i think you know which three like i said before you know it's to me the game feels like it's running at 10 frames a second most of the time but you can get away with that you can't do it in a racing game where a drop in that significant it's just it makes the game practically impossible even especially rally games where you've got to react at very very quick uh, intervals to actually get uh, around corners sometimes and i find myself um, and we've spoken about this on the podcast before, and we've spoken about games like Sega Rally, and one of the strengths it has is the fact that you you always feel like you're the one who's made the mistake if yeah. there was a mistake made. And Re-Rally 4 on Switch, unfortunately, is the complete opposite. Um, you always feel like the game has has done the mistake for you, which is a, a real shame. There's a lot of drawing as well, from, from what I remember, um, and especially in areas where there's sort of like buildings around, uh, the game does really struggle. It's sort of still impressive that they've tried to put onto the Switch. You know, it's there's not many. At that point, there wasn't a huge amount of, of handheld rally games of a really high quality. Mm. But now we've had um, the superb uh, rally game on Switch, whose name I've never Rush Rally 3. Rush Rally 3. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Um, since Rush Rally 3, I think there's, there's really... It shows that rally games can be a lot better than than what this this tried to do. Just going back to what you said there, I mean, when I first saw this game, when I had my Switch, I was, you know, I was like, I'm going to get this. I need to get a handheld rally game for my Switch. Yeah. And it it wasn't even just the fact that the level of detail is like significantly lower on the Switch because obviously it's a handheld system, so mm. you, you come to expect that. That's fine. It was just the way it ran, and it just looked so choppy. I thought to myself, yeah. I can't. You know, even I was watching video reviews on YouTube, and even some of the YouTubers that I watch who are like really pro Switch, like pro Switch fanboys, when they're even saying eh, this is a bit, this is a bit choppy, I'm thinking, yeah, even they aren't going to try and hide this. So I'm thinking, no way, I'm not paying money for that. It's a shame as well, though, isn't it? Because I think it's the first generation we've ever had where I know the Switch isn't technically a handheld system only, but it's it's the first generation we've had where we haven't had a specific handheld versions of games i loved in the you know even back to the psp you had a few and, and, and ds where you had games were which were still in the same franchise but significantly different yeah and i think with that it's a, it's a shame that's gone because i think sometimes developers on the switch it's quite a lazy system to port to isn't it because i think people are just sort of porting they're porting the game and downgrading it heavily or they're just not porting it at all and i think we'll you know develop develop a game specific for the Switch's strengths and it's going to be a much stronger game, surely. I, I thought exactly the same when I got WRC 8 for the Switch. And yeah. it was basically the same game from the PS4 and the Xbox, but sort of basically shoehorned onto the Switch with loads of visual sort of caveats and 
just yeah. downgrades and it just it just did not play well at all you know it was no. it was really really quite poor to be honest and I, I had that literally I think I had it for about a day and I, I tried to convince myself that it was good and it was just me that was bad at it but then yeah. I was like well no it's not it's the controls are terrible the frame rate's poor there's like yeah. so much popping and thing even like um you know the, the smoke flares at the side of the course they yeah. would like just like appear out of nowhere like as you got yeah. near to them I'm like what well, where the hell where did that come from like a genie you know what I mean boom you know yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a shame, isn't it? I think because it would have been really interesting to see what the what a, a major studio doing a rally game on Switch would have been like. I think it would have been a really interesting experience because I think it could have been a really really good game. It could still happen. Um, I mean, WRC nine is still coming and that's still being worked on. Um, it was due to come out uh, over Christmas, I believe, but it's still not out yet. No. But it's interesting you say that because I mean, you look at the rally games on the on the Vita, specifically WRC four, which is a game which was made specifically for that hardware, and it's mm. fantastic. It's yeah. literally one of the best handheld rally games ever created. So yeah. if, if they could do that with a Vita, why couldn't they do it with a Switch? I don't know. We could go off on a massive tangent here talking about yeah. Switch rally games. But um, as, as as you alluded to earlier, Mike, um, yeah, V-Rally 4 on the Switch is to be avoided. Um, go for Rush Rally 3 if you're looking for a, uh, a good Switch rally game. I think now's a good time to move on to talking a little bit about the audio. The first thing I'm going to mention here is the soundtrack, <laughs> um, which is interesting and has drawn a lot oh. of... Uh, a lot yeah. of flack, shall we say. Um. Yeah. I'm having horrible flashbacks, Tom. I'm having horrible flashbacks. I suddenly realised why it's not played the game. <laughs> so don't worry, I am going to put some uh, some tracks from the game into this podcast. Enjoy us. <laughs> but the soundtrack, as I say, is interesting. So all the songs are from a, a rapper and producer called Mahogany Beats. That was with his head on the end, um, with various artists uh, featuring as the you know the featured artist. But I, I think it's generally a nice mix of like sort of slow rap tunes. Although the main song using the V Valley mode uh, will do your head in <laughs> for the tenth time after it repeats itself. Um, and I believe uh, the lyric is "I've got the weight of the world." Does that um, does that bring back any memories for you, Mike? Yeah, no. It's the game. The games to to try and put it in perspective. Someone hasn't played the game yet. If you've if you've played on the Dreamcast and played the game Marvel vs. Capcom 2, oh, yeah. there, was a, there was a there was a track on that game which um, you know wants to take you on a ride and and it's in your head because it's the most inappropriate music track for the game ever <laughs> and this is exactly the same it, it makes no sense I, I I in terms of it's it just doesn't feel like a rally <laughs> it just it just feels no. like it just ah uh, it's it's it feels like a, a soundtrack to a game. Back in the, in the, the early two thousands, of a rip off of Tony Hawk's, yeah, and you have these yeah. rip off of Tony Hawk's games, and they have these really really poor sort of like uh, public license uh, punk bands on there. It's the same kind of thing as that. It's just no, awful. I just, I I've completely forgot about that. I've yeah. erased my memory, and now it's, it's pretty bad in my head. And oh no, I think yeah. some of the songs are actually quite catchy in their own right, but just not in a rally so, game. You know, <laughs> what what you think? There should not be music in a rally game. <laughs> I, I'll say it. I, it's, the, it's the hill I will die on. Um, I, I I don't see the point of of, uh, of music in rally games. I mean, I'd say that it's fine in the menus, but not sort of in the actual sort oh, of sure. game. You know, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, you don't really get music during the races anyway here in V Valley. You know, you've got your co-driver, um, but uh, yeah, that that menu music is a bit bit weird. Otherwise, though, I think the sound in the game is generally fine. Um, you know, you've got your usual engine rumbles, backfiring exhausts, um, a fairly inoffensive American co-driver, which I also found unusual when I first played this game because oh. generally co-drivers are either like Scottish or English, aren't they, in rally games? Yeah. Because it's, that's the kind of it's almost like a stereotypical voice that you have in a rally game, isn't it? It's like a sort yeah. of 
Scottish. I think it probably comes from Mickey Grist, really, doesn't it? It's like, it's like playing FIFA without an American commentator on it. It wouldn't sound right, would it? No, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> or, or playing like an AHL game and having an English commentator. Exactly. You just wouldn't yeah. have it, would you? It's not. It doesn't go together well. But yeah, I mean, the sound, apart from the music, is generally fine, apart from that one particular one particular track. I got the weight of the world. I got the weight of the world. I got the weight. I got the weight of the world. I got the weight of the world. I got the weight. Life can get heavy as boulders, holding it all on my shoulders. This is your war. Some days I feel like a soldier, fighting until it's all over. I want to fly, 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 Right then, Mike. I think we're getting towards the end now, so let's uh, let's have a look at some reviews, some contemporary reviews from a couple of different outlets. Now, when I was looking into the reviews that this game received, the general consensus is they're actually quite average to, to leaning on negative, and the the more positive reviews came from what's the word? Um, almost like hobbyist sites as opposed to like mainstream media sites. So I'm not sure what that says, but I'm, I find this game to be quite to be quite good. I quite like it, to be honest. I know that you've got a slightly different opinion, but we'll talk about our own opinions in a second. Um, I've got two reviews here, actually. One is a negative review and one is a slightly more positive one. The first one is from God is a Geek, and uh, and this is what the uh, the summary says. It says, I tried hard to like V-Rally 4. I really did. It just doesn't know whether it wants to be an arcade game or something slightly more realistic, and it ends up being neither as a result. It's just not fun to play, and although it has sizable career mode to keep you going for a while, you really won't want to. When the competition includes the likes of Dirt Rally, Dirt 4 and even the WRC titles, not to mention the excellent Wreckfest, V-Rally 4 simply isn't good enough. The series should have stayed as a memory. And then the score is 4 out of 10, which is actually it's quite damning that, to be honest. You're saying yeah. that it should, be, should have remained a memory. Um, a slightly more positive one here is from Push Square, uh, where they say... Once you get to grips with how it handles, V-Rally 4 is a competent and lightweight arcade-style off-road racer with a fair bit of charm that harkens back to the series' foundations. Aiming for spectacle and variety in design, it looks and feels like a 2018 V-Rally game. However, a shallow and disappointing career mode, irritating music and a handful of visual and gameplay bugs means you're likely to grow weary in a very short space of time. And they gave it 6 out of 10 and that that does really kind of echo what we said about the uh, the really confusing career mode. Yeah. So I mean, I can't really argue with the one from Push Square, but I I don't really agree with the one from God Is a Geek. Um, saying no. that it should have remained a memory. Odd, and, odd comparison as well. I mean, comparing it to Wreckfest is a bit of an odd yeah uh, odd comparison. Yeah, it's like comparing it to Rage Racer or something. It's like what's yeah. the, kind of the same type of game. What are you on about? Um, so Mike, I'm going to come to you for a score out of ten and uh, sure. and your sort of overall thoughts, really. Yeah. So I think. It's a perfectly serviceable game. It's an average rally game. It's certainly not something which is unplayable. Um, it is got some really good elements. I, I really like the diversity of the tracks and the the, the general graphical quality is really, really strong. Um, unfortunately, I, I can't get over the, the career mode and lack of focus. Um, for me, it, it breaks the immersion, which I want in rally games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think that there are it throws too many things at the wall to see what sticks and unfortunately not enough sticks to make it a, a really high scoring game so i'm going to score it a five out of ten cool good stuff okay so uh my my own thoughts are that uh v valley 4 is a very much a, a sort of a b-tier valley game and it for me occupies the same space as something like gravel do you know what i mean yeah i think it's got nice handling uh, again great variety in the events and courses 
and uh, in some unusual environments that we don't usually get to see in rally games. But on the flip side, you've got that really bizarrely structured career mode and that horrendous soundtrack, which both let it down. That said, I do still quite like it. Uh, it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure for me, this game. So I'm going to give it a slightly higher score of 7 out of 10. So uh, a 7 out of 10 from me and a 5 from Mike, which uh, let's round it down to a 6 out of 10 overall, shall we? Agreeing that's with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with Push that's, Square. That is fair. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. Okay then, so that's V-Valley 4. Um, I know we've left it right to the end of the episode, so it's a bit kind of back to front, but um, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, a piece of news that happened recently, Mike, and I completely forgot until about 10 seconds ago. Uh, And that is the recent acquisition of Codemasters by EA. What are your thoughts on that? Do you have any opinions on that? Yeah, I think think everyone on the internet has an opinion on it, uh, judging by comments on on, uh, various posts. Um, I think uh, I think EA is a much better company than it has been in the past current time. Mm. Um, I actually don't have a major issue with with EA in terms of uh, things it's done. I know there's been a couple of uh, development closures, which is possibly a worry. Um, but I don't think the games. I don't think the 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 dirt. So obviously, we're talking about dirt series and the impact on on the dirt series specifically here. Mm. Um, I don't think there's going to be a massive impact on it. Um, I, I think a lot of people online have decided to go back to the old. Oh, this is going to stick on four thousand picks of DLC for the game. Um, I mean, okay, EA games do have a lot of stuff you can buy, but actually, if you look at a game like FIFA, the amount of depth that a game like FIFA has is actually quite extraordinary compared to many games you get. Um, and you, you haven't got to pay for, for a lot of it. A lot of it's there. Um, people don't, don't choose to. That's that's their choice, but the choice is there to, to do something. So I think it's I think it's a good thing. I think Codemasters obviously um, are a really big name in British development. I'm a, I've been a Codemasters fan since I was... So I was very young. Uh, my first ever games I bought were Codemasters games, and uh, I am still a massive fan of Codemasters racing games. I've said before that I would happily play only Codemasters games the rest of my life, and I'd be perfectly content. So I think the fact that the studio is strong enough to be bought by EA um, and the, the financial input into that is going to be good, uh, good yeah. for the rally games. Is there a certain a, a element of trepidation in terms of what will they do? I, I'm, I'm not as negative as some people are, um, but obviously... This is, you know, they're, they're a company. So if if they produce if they produce games which don't sell, obviously EA will no doubt do something about it. But um, I think it's I think it's quite big news in terms of a lot of people online have said, oh, oh let's let's wait for Need for Speed Rally One to come out. Next. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think this the Dirt name's too big a franchise to to let go. Um, interestingly, Dirt Five I, I might be mentioned on a podcast actually. I, I felt like Dirt Five was the most EA type game that Codemasters had done. They'd really sort of done a. There was a lot of. There was a lot more spectacle, and there was a lot of that sort of competitive, current sort of generation gaming to it. So yeah. um, maybe, maybe they maybe they knew the kind of direction they were going to go in the future. Who knows? I'm kind of in the same camp as you, Mike. To be honest, um, I, I I've got very fond early memories of Codemasters. Just the um, you remember the logo used to be like a circle. Like, oh yes, yeah. I can remember on Amstrad games where they would load that sort of um, splash screen as the game was loading off the tape, yep. and it yep. would like make lines. And I just remember looking at that Codemasters logo, thinking it looked really cool. A very early memory, but um, yeah. So I, I've got a long history of Codemasters, and I don't think it's really going to change much. To be honest, all it's going to really for me change is that the fact there will be an EA splash screen at the start of Codemasters games. And if you look at a lot of the recent re- releases from um, 
Codemasters. So things like Grid, which I was playing last night, and uh, and Dirt Rally Two, and um, well, Dirt Five. Yep. Uh, they they do have DLC in them. It's it's part yep. and parcel of of the games. So. I know people are saying, "Oh, we're gonna, you know, you have to pay to put rain on your courses now or something." Obviously, yeah. people taking the mick, but uh, yeah. these games have always had DLC, so I can't really see how it's going to change much. But um, we shall see. We shall see. There's a, there's a there's a certain element of snobbery isn't there with EA games as well. People people don't people like to think that they can take the take the mick out of EA games. I think the mick is the wrong word, but they think that that EA are a legitimate target. You know, they can sort of criticise it for yeah, you know. 10 pence uh, 10 pounds for every sort of tiny little detail and stuff people seem to forget that ea if you look back at ea's history of gaming on every console and every platform and, and, and pc as well they've helped to bring some of the greatest games ever and some of the greatest story driven games ever as well I, I think people are just too quick to to criticize ea sometimes i'm no fan of ea any more than any other games development studio they're just basically a, a company it's, it has no relevance to me i think the only thing to counter that is a Codemasters is the only games development studio, with the exception possibly of Sega, um, that I actually do feel a sort of bond to. And so I do I do truly hope the Codemasters don't have any issues from it because um, it would be a massive loss to the British games industry. Um, oh, undoubtedly, yeah. yeah. I think they are, the, without exception, they are the greatest uh, British game studio that we've ever had, in my opinion. So um, it would be a massive shame if they were to go down. But I think the future is the future's bright. Cool. Well... Yeah, good to know. I should also hasten to add that we don't have any spon- kind of sponsorship deal with EA, um, so <laughs> <laughs> you could probably tell that from the uh, production quality on this podcast, but uh, yeah. Um, right, Mike, that's going to do it for this particular episode. Uh, thank you for joining me. Um, thank you to you, the listener, for uh, once again choosing to download uh, an episode where we just ramble incoherently about a rally game. You can find all of our previous episodes at www.powerdriftingpodcast.com or on your favourite podcatcher of choice. I love that term, podcatcher. I use it all the time now. You can also follow us on Twitter if you like, uh, PowerDriftPod, and uh, you can find all of our episodes on YouTube. Well, that's going to do it for this one. So uh, thank you, Mike, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Power Drifting. Goodbye. Goodbye.